0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Cody Rourke, who talks about all things in the NFL, as well as the lead Denver Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports and the Locked On Broncos. And Cody, we really appreciate you joining us down here in Arkansas, man. How you doing this afternoon?
1: I'm doing great, gentlemen. Obviously, uh, the Monday after the NFL draft is always fun. A lot of busy uh, recap, a lot of getting to know some prospects. I think a little bit more, but, uh, excited to be here. Thanks
0: for having me. Absolutely, man. And I guess we, of course, we got to start with Drew Sanders, a player that, uh, Arkansas only had for one year, but made a huge impact on this team, had some great numbers and some people thought maybe he would be a first or second round pick, but did fall to the third round and Denver decided to pick him up. So just what do you make of the pick itself? And, uh, does he address certain needs or, at least uh, be a player that maybe could possibly impact the Broncos immediately in his rookie year?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Now, initially going into the draft, the Broncos general manager George Payton, head coach Sean Payton, one thing they said is that, you know, they felt like they addressed enough of their need in free agency that they could just go into the draft and select the best player available. And, you know, for them, it, Drew Sanders is one of those guys that they had high on their board and I think at first, Broncos fans were wondering, why did they draft a linebacker? They don't need a linebacker. Um, But you you factor in that room right now, look, you just re-signed Alex Singleton to a three-year contract extension. Josie Jewell and Justin Sternat are going to be playing on the final years of their deal in Denver. And then you have Jonas Griffith, who's an exclusive rights free agent. Outside of that, you really don't have any linebacker depth. And while, obviously, Josie Jewell and Singleton are expected to start this year, You need guys that can play special teams. Sternad plays a high majority of the special team snaps for Denver, and uh, Drew Sanders also is expected to play a lot of special teams. But uh, I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, why take this guy if you don't envision him starting? I I think the plan is that he can start. And, And, you know, I tell you this, looking at his film, he is exciting to watch. He just plays with a relentless motor. He flies around the football field. He runs through guys and his tape was very exciting. Obviously, over 100 tackles last season. I think what stood out to me was more impressive from the inside backer spot. Nine and a half sacks, and that's something that Sean Payton told us after the NFL draft. He said his ability to create pressure, you know, he's a guy that you can blitz. He's got a little bit of a pass rush arsenal to him because I think of his height and his athleticism. He's a unique little chess piece that could see some rotational reps on defense this season, but I like the pick. I think he's uh, I think he's got a, a chip on his shoulder. You could tell with the way that he plays. Obviously, he had his prior experience at Alabama. But he, he was able to go to Arkansas in one year and prove, like, hey, I can play at a high level. And uh, I tell you what, it's exciting to watch.
2: You mentioned the pass rush ability and that uh, Drew Sanders is primarily going to be playing inside linebacker. He's a guy that can play outside. So you think there could be a plan for him to kind of move around within that defense and play not only inside linebacker, but play some outside. You know, there,
1: there's a chance that that could happen, though Sean Payton told us he's going to be, he's going to stay at inside backer. I mean, you look at Bron- the Broncos' edge rush depth right now, you got Randy Gregory and Baron Browning projected as a starters behind him. You got Nick Benito, who's a second-year player out of Oklahoma, and then you have Jonathan Cooper, Aaron Patrick, uh, and some other guys as well that you have on the roster. And for the Broncos, you know, it's it's unique. They can get creative. It just depends on the package that they want to put together defensively. Last year, Euro Everett was very, very creative. Sometimes he'd put an outside linebacker at defensive end, and he'd cross them, you know, different stunts. But I imagine this scheme is going to be very predicated on blitzing the inside linebacker in a lot of situations for the Broncos. And, hey, you know what? He might be the perfect guy to do it, but this is where coaching comes in. You don't want to just put him in when you want to blitz. You want to be able to see what he can do with his six foot five. Obviously, his height there. I think that's great in passing windows, especially in the AFC West, especially against teams like the Chiefs who love to attack the middle of the field with Travis Kelsey. This is a guy who's rangy enough. He actually might help them in terms of their coverage.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You bring up his uh, size and uh, everything that goes along with it. At least here at Arkansas, he was very unique. Haven't seen many linebackers at least come through here at Arkansas like him is there a linebacker that you see or at least a type of player that you see that's maybe comparable to drew sanders that you've seen before in the nfl or at any point
1: yeah that's a great question i uh i'm not entirely sure in terms of a direct comparison especially for him being six foot five i i think his athleticism kind of fits the mold for some of the defenses that we've seen like san francisco for the past couple years they've had fred warner a guy who just is absolutely athletic and versatile not only is good against the run, but good in terms of pass coverage, soft spots dropping back. I, I, a lot of people, I, I think, for Denver, a lot of fans think that you know the inside linebacker in and, and this scheme with the two-high safety look, that they need an inside linebacker who can cover tight ends one-on-one. That's never been the design here, especially when Fangio was in Denver. It was never your inside backer covering tight ends. That's your safety. and It allows you to be more versatile. You can use the safety to help cover a tight end as, in terms of being an extra spy, but I it's gonna be very interesting to see maybe who he draws comparisons to. I know he spent one year at Arkansas. We asked him on the conference call, you know, if he's familiar with the tradition there, obviously with the Steve Atwater, Hall of Fame safety for the Broncos. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think he quite knew all the way just because, you know, he just spend the one year there. But uh, I, I'm excited to get to know him a little bit. He seems like he's got a, a great personality. The thing that also stood out to me as a little interesting gentleman was the fact that you mentioned that he just maintains a strict diet, like he's very disciplined in terms of what he wants to do, and he sticks to it. He said he's done that since he was in high school, so obviously a good habit to have. You never have to worry about that. knows how to take care of his body, so it could alleviate any concerns about any injuries at the NFL level.
2: Drew Sanders drafted in third round by the Broncos, and uh, they didn't have many picks in this draft this year altogether, but how did you feel about the draft overall?
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I really enjoyed the draft this year. I think when you put it into the perspective for at least the Broncos, you know, they're like, oh, they didn't have a first-round pick. Well, technically, your first-round pick was Sean Payton, so there you go. That's a great first-round pick to add to the mix there. You trade up in a round two to get Marvin Mims, who is an unbelievably talented wide receiver who's going to complement a lot of the pieces that Denver has in that room alongside Jerry Jerry, whose fifth-year option was just picked up, and You got Tim Patrick coming off of an ACL, and then when you get Drew Sanders, he's going to add important depth not only to the linebacker position but also maybe play a prominent role on special teams to start his NFL career. Riley Moss was a little bit of an interesting one as well for Denver. They also traded up to get him, and he's going to compete for uh, that cornerback three spot. There's a chance he could compete to start opposite of Sertan, but uh, you know I think that we need to see a little bit more before we reach that conclusion. And then obviously. Uh, JL Skinner, thumper of a safety out of Boise State, six foot four, great size to him, two hundred and twenty pounds. He's probably going to project to come down into the box a little bit, but will play a big role on special teams this upcoming season. And then uh, Alex Forsyth, who you know you get out of a uh, University of Oregon. It's going to be interesting to see maybe how he fits in things, considering it was two picks before the end of the draft. He was supposed to be a Mister Irrelevant, but he's got some strength to him that. Uh, i make for an intriguing competition at the position that features Lloyd Cushenberry. You have Kyle Fuller, and then now you have Luke Wattenberg to the mix alongside you know, Forsyth. And it's going to make things very interesting for the Broncos this offseason. I think considering they went into the draft with five picks, came in with six players, including the trade for tight end Adam Troutman out of New Orleans. So well, I think it's a pretty solid draft for the Broncos considering where they're at, and they have a ton of picks going into next year's draft as well, which is a good sign.
0: Speaking with Cody Rourke, who covers all things Denver Broncos for Mile High Sports here on the Jones and Sundiamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. So, Cody, I know that uh, for the Broncos last year was definitely not what they were hoping or intending, especially with Russell Wilson (laughs) getting added into the mix. But, hey, Nathaniel Hackett's no longer there. And now, as you've already mentioned, they got themselves a Super Bowl-winning head coach. They still got Russell Wilson. They've done some moves. So just kind of what's the overall vibe and the expectation Going into this season, obviously, it's people are expecting it to be better this year. But do you feel like, with all the pieces in place, that this is truly a year where the Broncos can compete for a Super Bowl?
1: That's the hope, you know. I mean, you make the investment, in Russell Wilson, and and I think one thing we are going to find out for sure this year, we're going to find out whether or not you know it was Russell Wilson last year, or if it was Daniel Hackett. Me personally, I believe that there was a little bit of a uh, New to a blame to go around with both of those guys in terms of maybe how things went offensively. Um, but this is a big year for Russ to turn it around, I think, in an offensive system that will be designed around what he does well and it's going to have some protective pieces around him with obviously the addition of Ben Powers at left guard, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. And now you go out and you kind of build the trenches here. It's going to be a run-first offense. And if you can run the ball effectively well, you can open up the passing game. I think that's what Sean Payton aims to do with Russ defensively, you want you have questions about, you know, with uh, a new coordinator. I mean, this is their third coordinator in three years, and it's not like the Broncos defense has been playing bad. It's just that Vic Fangio got fired as the head coach, and then Azero Evro, uh, you know, wanted out and want, because of how things ended with Nathaniel Hackett, wanted out and went to Carolina, and now you have Bench Joseph coming back. And you have to hope that the defense can continue to play at the level it was last season, but I know scheme is super important, how you call the defense. Those are things that are crucial for the Broncos this upcoming season. But uh, they have the pieces, I, I, you know, to be competitive. I, I think the goal, not necessarily, you know, for every team, it's Super Bowl. But the goal is to just get to the playoffs and then see what you can do. You know, until you dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a very, very hard task, and nobody in AFC West has been able to do it since 2000 and you know, after 2015, when the Broncos last won it. It's in the Chiefs' division, and rightfully so, they're a defending Super Bowl champs and. You know, you have to find a way to knock them off, but they somehow keep getting better and better and better every offseason. So I say baby steps here for the Broncos. I do expect them to be much more competitive than what we saw last year, which, gentlemen, I can tell you this. I could have copied and pasted the game story from every game this season and would have applied every single week last year. That's how it went. The defense plays well. Offense couldn't do anything. Wash, rinse, repeat, I think it'll be a little bit different this year.
2: So the schedule releases next Thursday, May 11th, and don't know when these these games will line up, but do know the opponents. So they're going to be playing the NFC North and the AFC East along with that tough division in the AFC West. So what do you think of uh, that? some of the possible opponents on that schedule and how they may match up?
1: Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. You know, you look at Minnesota, obviously for them, they're uh, – the defending champions of that division after, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers struggled last year in Green Bay. Detroit made some noise last year. You have to play them. I, I, I like what Dan Campbell has built with that team. They compete for him. Uh, who knows what the Bears are going to look like next year? The Packers or Jordan levels, what they look like. But, man, you talk about two tough matchups in the AFC East. You have the Buffalo Bills, and then you got it, you know, you can go to Buffalo for that. Hopefully, that's not in December. And then you take on the Miami Dolphins, who added Jalen Ramsey, have Bradley Chubb, former Bronco, and added former Broncos head coach Vic Fangio. And they also have the talented offensive playmakers that they're doing, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. I mean, they Miami is a scary team right now on paper. And then, as you mentioned, everybody in the AFC West, you still have them. Uh, and then you have some other matchups. You, want to know you have the commanders that are going to be coming to town to take on the Broncos. Denver's going to be on the road taking on the Houston Texans. It's going to be a a little bit of a wild season. But, yeah, you're right, the AFC East, NFC North, and AFC West, I mean, that's a tough slate for the Broncos in terms of strength of schedule. And uh, we'll see uh, what happens because nine games are home. Eight of them are on the road for Denver. So, you know, maybe get some home field advantage and take care of business at home. That's uh, what the Broncos need to do. They need to bring home that home field advantage that they've been missing for the last several years.
0: So also looking at the entire NFL draft, I know you obviously cover Broncos, but uh, you're an NFL guy. So was there any teams that really stood out to you that you felt like did a good job in the draft or anything that really was of note (laughs) that you saw?
1: Well, I mean, this might be the cliche answer, but looking at what the Philadelphia Eagles did, I mean, just loading up on the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, you might as well just create the pipeline there. You know, I think you have a, a perfect pitch if you're Kirby Smart. Hey, come play. Come play at Georgia, and you're going to go straight to the NFL. You can go play for the Philadelphia Eagles. But what they're able to do in terms of adding guys on the defense, you know, adding some offensive weapons as well. Philadelphia is in a good position, especially now that you've locked up Jalen Hurts on a long-term extension. You have AJ Brown. You still have the Smith. You obviously have Dallas Goddard and a strong running game with their backs that they have. Philadelphia made some power moves. They were really good last year in a great position. I think a lot of the questions are. How are they going to be without Jonathan Gannon? How are they going to be without Shane Steichen? I mean, those are the questions that I have. What does that? How does that impact Jalen Hurts in, in this situation? Because I think we even look at a, maybe a parallel a little bit the Buffalo Bills last season. We're all wondering, how is Josh Allen and the Bills? How are they going to look without Brian Babel, who went to the New York Giants? And, you know, Josh Allen played at a pretty damn good level last year, but it wasn't to the extent of what we saw the year prior. He threw a lot of red zone interceptions. He's a little more careless with the football, Um, as cliche as it may sound, I think the Philadelphia Eagles on paper had a great draft for them overall.
2: Broncos offense, we all expect that to be better, but what kind of changes do you expect to see to that offense?
1: Well, you know, I think a lot of it is hoping that guys can stay healthy. Last year in training camp, they lost Tim Patrick to an ACL. It was a a very demoralizing injury for Denver. It just kind of sucked the wind out of the sails there in South Valley. It was there when it happened, and it just kind of like, oh, man, like that sucks. You know, the KJ Hammer was dealing with some soft tissue injuries last year. as he was coming back from hip surgery and an ACL, uh, they missed his presence last year. I, yeah, I think the receiving game, the Broncos are going to have some pretty good depth there. Uh, offensive line-wise, you really have to hope you stay healthy. You invested in Mike McGlinchey. Garrett Bowles is coming off of a, mat, a gnarly, broken leg from last year that kept him out of the season after week five. Uh, you invested in Ben Powers, question mark, at the center position right now in terms of who starts, but if Denver can stay healthy and they can rock the way that Sean Payton wants them to, I guarantee you we're going to see a much more competitive Broncos team offensively. And you know, on the defensive side of the ball, Patrick Tan entering his third year in the NFL, unbelievable the way that he carries himself on the field, off the field. Had a chance to do a sit-down interview with him last week, one-on-one. And uh, the Broncos have a truly special player there. But then you mentioned all the pieces they add on defense as well, with Sanders, uh, you know, Riley Moss, and some other guys in terms of J.L. Skinner the defense has a chance to be good. But the bigger question is, can Vance Joseph, can he call the defense in a way that keeps those guys fresh? And can the offense produce enough that the defense isn't constantly coming onto the field? Uh, for me, these are things I'm looking forward to seeing. But I also think from a coaching standpoint, outside of Sean Payton, special teams has to improve for the Broncos. They you know, they go and there, resign Riley Dixon, the punter, and they bring in uh, Ben Kotwika as their new special teams coordinator, but they also lure legendary special teams coach Mike Westhoff out of retirement as Sean Payton's right-hand man. They'll oversee a lot of the special teams in terms of working alongside Kotwika. Denver Nats has to transform that area as well if they want to win games. So uh, there's a lot riding. Rookie minicamp starts here in about two weeks for them, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, what they have in store.
2: You mentioned Vance Joseph, and uh, he's returning to the team as the defensive coordinator. He was once the head coach. So what kind of brought that about as far as him returning to the team?
1: Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, for him, Arizona was obviously undergoing a major shift in their organization with obviously their hiring of a new head coach. And Vance, you know, I think Vance did a pretty good job. Now, obviously, the defense struggled last year, but I think a lot of people failed to put in the context that that Arizona Cardinals defense, was dealt a a bad hand in terms of injuries. You look at how bad Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury's offense was last year. I think Vance Joseph a little bit. is kind of quoted by the Cardinals in that sense. But, you know, even a couple years ago, the defense was playing so good, generating so many takeaways to the point that he was getting considered for another head coaching opportunity after how things ended in Denver. So, you know, he spent the four seasons in Arizona, and anytime he was asked about his time with the Broncos, he never had anything bad to say despite – You know, things ended didn't end that well. John Elway didn't vibe well with you know that as his selection in terms of Vance being the guy to continue. Vance lost the locker room a little bit as the head coach. I think when you're a defensive coordinator, it's a lot different in terms of maybe the pressure that you have to perform. You know, as a defensive coordinator, he's in his element. But as a head coach, when you have to oversee the entire operation, it's hard. Hard to do, and only very few coaches in the NFL can make it work, as we have seen. So. Um, yeah, Vance is excited to be back. Obviously the Colorado Ties stand out there, and uh, you know he's excited to get to work with these guys, led by Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertan, Randy Grant, and some of the other guys that they have on this defense. And, uh, yeah, it's going uh, to be hopefully a, be- a big season for the Broncos.
0: For what you get out of here real quick here, Cody, I- I'm actually a Jets fan, and I, uh, I'm kind of excited because Aaron Rodgers is there, but also Nathaniel Hackett was one of the reasons why that they had to make it work to get him there. You were there, you saw what he did as a head coach. Is he just maybe one of those guys that just, you know, wasn't a great head coach, but maybe he's a good offensive coordinator. Do you think he'll be actually better with Aaron Rodgers and in New York City, or do you feel like there's a lot more to that that could be problematic?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a great question. Uh, You know, I I get asked all the time about Hackett, and I'll tell you this, I really, really like Nathaniel Hackett. um, As a coach, as a human being, I I just think that he was – in over his head a little too much in Denver. That was something that unfortunately stood out to me. He he was very friendly with the guys. And, look, I think he also did a lot of good things. He he brought some healing to the Broncos locker room that I felt like they desperately needed in terms of making guys feel like when they walk in the building they know that their coaches care about them, you know, outside of just football. Um, When they are losing games and there's no – accountability because, you know, Hackett was very much a, a player's coach, very friendly, but when you're too friendly to the point where, you know, when it's time to hold guys accountable and you can't do that, it creates issues. You know, there were things that Hackett did, like uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, he benched a player without telling him why he was benching him, that there was no discussion. He just noticed in the game plan that week that, hey, wait, I'm not in red zone package anymore. I'm not on third down package. You know, hey, what's going on? Like, There's no communication from that standpoint.